Our reading today is from Psalm 118. Please read responsively. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has punished me severely, but he did not give me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stones that the builder rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we beseech you, O Lord. O Lord, we beseech you, give us success. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the houses of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has given us light. Bind the festal procession with branches up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, according to St. Luke, the 24th chapter... But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified, and on the third day rise again? Then they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other woman with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home, amazed at what had happened. The Gospel of our Lord. Congregation may be seated. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations in our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our God, our Rock, and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, today is a day of celebration and thanksgiving. We get to sing joyful hymns. The Easter eggs have been 
hidden or scattered on the lawn outside the church, I think might be more accurate. And we are ready to celebrate by eating the honey-baked ham or whatever delicious brunch is awaiting you after worship service. And you all look so great in your spring clothing. And thankfully, the grass even turned green for this Easter Sunday. And so we do indeed shout hallelujah, which thanks be to God, Brian and the kids let back out of the bag this morning. Hallelujah means praise the Lord, and that is what we come together to do, to praise the Lord. Now for some of us, this might be a day we've been looking forward for a while. If you gave up something for Lent, this is a day you've been counting down towards. Perhaps at long last you get to eat that chocolate or have that coffee. I have a friend who gave up cheese. Cheese! I bet she's really looking forward to Easter. Now for others of you, you might come to church this morning with a little bit more hesitation. Maybe you're dragged here by family members. This has happened to me. Or perhaps you came and you have some questions about this story and about this whole Easter message that we celebrate as Christians. It might be one that you listen to and have a lot of question marks. You might be filled with doubt or wonder like some of the earliest apostles were or think, you know, this is quite an idle tale as the apostles responded to the women when they first heard it. Or maybe you come today with a little bit more hesitation because you know that this is a graveyard story even though we start with celebration. Did you notice that? that this whole story begins in a graveyard, and maybe you are thinking to yourself, you know, I've been to the graveyard just a few too many times this year. I don't need to think about darkness and hard things anymore. I don't want to go there again. That was some of my reactions when I first read this gospel text for today. It felt a little too familiar I felt a little too familiar with those women as they walked to the graveyard on that first Easter morn because I've gone to a few too many funerals this year for people I didn't want to attend their funerals, people who are too young, people who I was convinced had too much left in their lives to do, too much life to live. And I recognized throughout this year how much loss surrounds us day after day, and at times I felt overwhelmed by it. This realization started happening for me this past August. I had gone on my family vacation, and it just so happened that the cabin we rented was out of cell phone range. So once we finally got back on the freeway, my phone suddenly started buzzing. I had messages. This happens, but not, I had more messages than usual. I'm just not that popular. <laughs> and I thought, something's going on. And I noticed a number of calls from my previous congregation. And I listened to a voicemail of a woman who was frantic and trying to hold back tears. And I thought, oh no, what has happened? You ever get these calls and you get that pit in your stomach as you have to wait to hear the news on the other end? That's how I felt. So I immediately called back and was put on hold. Don't we always get put on hold when you're waiting for news? Oh, and the hold felt like forever. And so I was talking in the car saying, 
what happened? Something bad happened. Someone died. Who died? And I ran through this whole long list of people and scenarios. And when finally I received the news, my office manager from my last church said, Pastor Sarah died. And a pit fell in my stomach. And I said, no. She was actually not on the list of people that I would think you would call me about because she is too young. And I started to argue in my head, but she's only 43, but she has young kids. But I just sat on the bus with her three weeks ago. No, no, no. But God was going to do big things with her. And for weeks, I actually walked around and I argued with God all of my reasons why we shouldn't be where we were. She was going to be bishop one day. God, what is happening? Was my cry. God, why? What are you doing? Have you received news like this? News that rattles your world, and everything looks a little bit different afterwards. Suddenly you have new questions about life and about faith, and you feel vulnerable and confused. I'm pretty sure that's what those women were feeling on that very first Easter morning. They had every argument in the book about why they shouldn't be there, about why this shouldn't happen. Jesus was supposed to save them. He wasn't supposed to die. But God, he was just 33 years old. You had big things in store for him. But God, he was going to be the one who redeemed and changed everything. We aren't supposed to be going to a graveyard today. But that's indeed where they were. And I think those women walked to those tombs as we do to those hard moments in our lives. You know, those days that you think will never end with sadness and anger and dread, thinking, I don't know how I'm going to get through this, so I'm just going to take one step at a time. But when they arrived, they got a different message. When I went down to my friend Sarah's funeral, it was indeed a day I was dreading. It was a long drive, and I just knew it would be one filled with grief. I stuffed my purse full of Kleenex, and when I arrived there, I was indeed surrounded by other people like me, bewildered and questioning and mourning. And yet something was different, too. In the midst of our sadness, there was this undercurrent of a different message that was being told on that particular day. Now, don't get me wrong. I cried through all of those clinics in my purse and had to borrow from some from a neighbor. But as I sat in the rows of clergy who had gathered together to celebrate the life of a dear friend and colleague, I felt a different message being told Person after person stood up and told things about Sarah that captured her very essence, like the fact that she smiled so big when she greeted you that you didn't really know what color her eyes were. And yet at the same time, all of a sudden I was realizing that while we were in a place of mourning, that there was still joy here. While we were in a place that signified that a death had happened, there was still life here. 
And that while Sarah would never stand up and preach anymore, I knew that because she had lived, that other people would proclaim the message of a gospel in a new way. Somehow, at that funeral, I felt that as difficult and painful as it was, that God used that moment, that message of the good news of Christ to transform us all so that her death became more powerful, and so did our lives. I have never walked away from a funeral feeling transformed, but for some reason, I did that day. In the days and weeks to come, as I prayed and continued to wonder, I started asking new questions. No longer, why did this happen? But God, how can you use me to do more things for our world? How can I be bolder in proclaiming your message of love and welcome like Sarah did? No longer, God, what are you doing? But instead, God, how can our faith make a difference in welcoming new people? And how can our story transform all our lives so that we might live a little bolder? We might welcome a little wider. We might just dare to say the hard but true things that we need to say. No, don't get me wrong. As you all know, if you've lost a loved one, we would all prefer for them to be here. But I realized what looked like the end to me was indeed a beginning. A beginning not just for me, but I think for many. And that is exactly what happened on that first Easter morning. Those women went to the graveyard expecting tears and sorrow. But what they discovered changed not only their lives, but our lives forever. Because they encountered the transformational power of the empty tomb. They encountered a promise that is so absurd and unbelievable that they were just so amazed they dared to believe it. They discovered that God can take the pain in our world and turn it into powerful life that brings hope to us in our confusion. They discovered the resurrection. You see, God does crazy things in graveyards. God breathes new breath into dry bones. God takes things that have been announced to be finished and says, not yet. I've got more work to do here. And God meets us in those graveyards of our lives and lifts us up, transforms us, and allows us to look at the world a little bit different in the end. God can overcome any obstacle in those graveyards that stand in our way. No stone can't be moved. No heart can't be turned. Not even death itself can stop God from rising. And so that is why we shout Alleluia today, not because of the honey-baked ham and the candy. We shout Alleluia and we praise God because God's love is alive in Christ Jesus. God's hope lives throughout it all. And because Jesus lives, you too will live. Neither life nor death nor anything else in all creation can stop God's love from being alive and in our world. And so to that I say, thanks be to God. Alleluia.